Whole smash, JB. Are y'all both in the house at the same time? I think Alex. What's up? Hey guys. Man, man, we are finally here. Take three is the charm. Third time is a charm. Well, um, JB, I'll fill you in what I was saying. I was cussing you out, telling you how much Tennessee sucks for ruining the SEC perfect record this week. Take comment. Me. No comment, no comment. Please admit. JB, we're actually we were it's funny, we were to fill you listeners in, we were we this is our third take on the podcast. Uh, JB couldn't hear me but could hear Hole and we were talking about crawfish and I want to cook crawfish for a tailgate. It'd be fun to go to LSU game, but we don't know anybody that cooks crawfish in LSU, so I'd be that guy. And JB's texting us at the same time. He said, I have a fucking food allergy, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was uh Yeah, I was like trying to tell you guys and y'all weren't hearing me, so I was thinking y'all were just you know, blatantly ignoring me, like being yeah. well, know, we did do that but... from time to time, so <laughs> you do. So, that's actually just, you know, we just had some, we some good pranks on you, um, over the years. Uh, Mr. JB Brooks, are you done jizzing from the first weekend of college football? I still got one more plan for tomorrow night with Virginia Tech and Florida State. Good night is what you're saying, okay. Um, I'm, I'm probably, I mean. What I do like about these uh, this Labor Day weekend is that there are games on Sunday and Monday and games that are good games, for one. And point two is that you they're the only games on, so you can focus solely on them. Unlike Saturday, which is a big talking point for me, um, Saturday, there's so many good games on at the same time. Like, I think 3.30, there was a lot of good games. It's tough to pick. You have to, you're forced to pick between the three games, whichever one you want to watch. It's hard. Um, that's my, that's only my complaint for Saturday games that they could be spread out a little bit more. Right, JB? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. Alex. Right. Holt, were you able to connect to Wi-Fi to at least stream games? I know you said you had to work over the weekend, but were you able to stream games at least, or were you just relying on me and JB to text you about how, how close some of these games were? Well, so I was able to watch the early games, the uh, 11 a.m. kicks, um, at least most of them. So uh, I did get to see those. I had to go into work around 2.30. And um, I, I had my iPad with me, and I was trying to keep up with the Auburn-Washington game. I had it pulled up on the Watch ESPN app, but it was uh, messing up on me, and it was running a little bit behind. So I didn't really feel like I got like the full experience there. And then uh, I, I'm a Mississippi State fan, full disclosure, for those of you who haven't heard the podcast before. So the later games, I was actually watching Mississippi State beat up on Stephen F. Austin on my iPad. Um, so I didn't really see. I did watch the replay of the Alabama Louisville game today, but uh, that was really the only night game I watched. So uh, pretty much my college football day was the Ole Miss Texas Tech game, and then a little bit of the Auburn Washington game, and then the Mississippi State Stephen F. Austin game. Let me, and, let me. Uh, I had to rely on you and JB to send me texts about the Penn State. Appalachian State game, and I gotta say, I was a little bit disappointed in y'all's effort. I thought y'all could have well, me up today a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, there was a part, there was a time yesterday when I uh, like said something, and you're like, "So what does that mean?" And I said, "Use context clues." <laughs> yeah, basically, JB like tried to tell me what was happening <laughs> without actually telling me what was happening. <laughs> JB is actually. Um, I'll, I'll have your back a little bit, JB. Back back in the day when I was working. Uh, at my retail nine to five minimum wage job, I wouldn't say nine to five because it's retail minimum wage. So, um, shout out to Coles. 
uh, they, I was, I was texting on my flip phone, which was a razor phone, which I think I got it after everybody thought it was cool. So I wasn't, it was kind of like a, yeah. a used phone for me. So it wasn't cool. Anymore. Like after the iPhone came out, that's when yeah, you it was like got the razor. It's probably like after the iPhone three, it's kind of like in, in real school <laughs> when I, um, started to spike my hair up when everybody stopped spiking their hair up in the front. <laughs> but, um, I'm a little bit late to the trends, but what I was saying was when I was at working my minimum wage job, there's no TVs there. Um, so I would rely on JB to text me the updates and he actually was pretty good texting me the updates to my razor phone. Um, but that was a while ago and that was before we have like all these great apps and streaming. So I'm assuming JB thought like you were on Twitter scrolling through it, getting updated without us. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I figured hold out a lot more access, you know, to, you know, all the, all the apps and like Twitter, like I didn't think he really needed us, but I guess he really did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely clearly said like, keep me <laughs> updated on this Penn state Appalachian state game because it was getting like really close. And like I had to, you know, I kept exiting out of my watch ESPN app so I could go into the actual ESPN app to try to get updates. <laughs> but you know, those things are so delayed. Like you never yeah. know, like if something's happened yet, and then you guys are tweeting like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, what?" <laughs> we, uh, I wish I wish me and JB would have worked together behind the scenes to like mess with you and say like some crazy stuff. I mean, the game is crazy in itself, but I wish we would have like um, worked together to like come up with a crazy story of how the game was going, <laughs> and yeah. get you even more excited. Because yeah, if you guys listen to the preview of Week One, I picked Penn State to win the national championship, so it's definitely yeah. uh, definitely. Hey pretty close call there and then uh picked stanford to make the playoff also and they were losing like seven to two to san diego state on a friday night yeah well if it makes you feel better and we'll, we'll talk about some of the games a little bit later um but uh jb did pick michigan to win the not national championship but big 10 i think i think the playoff too so um that was kind of a kind of a big miss for him but lucky for that's me. not a big miss yet because it's oh. They could still lose that game and still, you know, win, lose one more game potentially and still make the playoffs. Because that I was a non-conference. That was not. It was a non-conference loss. It wasn't yeah. a conference loss. I guess they could still win the Big Ten, I guess, but I didn't think they looked very nah. promising, especially no. Nah, they they, no, nah, that they definitely didn't look good. But I mean, it's only one game. We always say like from week one to week two, that's when you really find out about your football team because that's always when the biggest improvements are made. I have right. a question for you, Holt. Um, well, hold on. First of all, were you able to watch the Mississippi State game, or did you, you stream it at least? Yeah, I watched uh, the first half and then the fourth quarter. So I got everything except for the fourth quarter, or okay. the, everything except for the third quarter. I mean, the the game was like sixty three to three. It wasn't close at all. Uh, my question is, as a Mississippi State fan, a diehard Mississippi State fan, uh, which what you were a former Alabama fan, but we won't talk about that too much right now. Just a diehard Mississippi State grad and frat star fan right now um would you watch the entire or did you watch the entire mississippi state ass whooping of stephen f austin or did you say you know what they're up by 30 points stephen f austin isn't going to come back this game's not even close anymore i'm going to watch all the other games around the country what did you do i just told you what i did do you you watch the entire game <laughs> Like I yeah the only reason i stopped watching that third quarter was because i had to do some stuff for work real quick and then I got off work, like, right around then, like, right after I was done with that. And then I was uh, back home in time to watch the fourth quarter. So, but yeah, I, I yeah, if the Mississippi State game's on, I'm watching it. I don't care what the score is. I don't care, like, what other games are on. If the Mississippi State game's on, I'm watching it. I, like, if there's another good game, I'll try to put it on, like, in the background. Like, when I got back to my hotel room, 
yeah. was watching the Mississippi State game on my iPad because it was on Watch ESPN, and then I was watching the uh, Michigan Notre Dame game on my cable. So like, I'll put the games on like on another TV, but if Mississippi State's playing, like I'm watching it. I don't care like who they're, who they're playing or what the score is. You um, you sound like me with Memphis. Memphis playing Mercer, and I did stream it for a second. I watched it for a second. But I stopped this this week, but it's a little bit a little bit more embarrassing with Memphis because they don't play even good teams like Mississippi State does. Most, I mean, besides Stephen F. Austin, uh, Mississippi State plays better teams than Memphis. So um, I'll I'll watch I'll watch Memphis play like SMU over like uh, Auburn and LSU. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of how I am, and that's how you should be if you're a true fan. But uh, nevertheless, we had some great games this week. Um, my, let's see, let me, let me recall what I where I was at. So I watched I watched the games for the first first like half of all I went, all the morning games all the way up to the first half of the um, two thirty Central three thirty uh, Eastern games. Then at halftime, I left to go to go to bars to watch the games. And in Atlanta, there's it's kind of a melting pot of of fans, but it's definitely like SEC, 100% SEC um, country in the, in Atlanta, uh, minus Clemson as well. But we went to Buckhead Saloon, um, which I think y'all have been to before, but it turned out to be a huge Tennessee bar. And I've heard different stories. I've heard people say it's Ohio State bar, Alabama bar, but it was 100% Tennessee bar. And it kind of made me a little upset because um, they were showing the Tennessee game on all TVs without any other team. Um, it was yeah. in a rain delay too so we we're like what, what in the world's going it's, on yeah that's not and ideal we left that you know we walked in there's a bunch of orange obviously and then they were playing wagon wheel over the <laughs> over the speakers i was like man this is cannot get any more Tennessee. so left there went to a big sky across the street and big sky had the auburn washington game on and they also had the um, Austin P. George game on too, which well that was a blowout, and then towards the end of the App State game, they they flipped onto that, which I was kind of excited because that was a good game in itself. But also my uh, my special lady friend went to App State, and um, we were hoping that App State would win, so then like you could at least have something else to talk about for App State football besides that Michigan win uh, in two thousand five. But uh, went to overtime was a good game, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I think did me- you see the? Uh- they they showed this on I think it was ESPN or somewhere where like when they uh, the App State Michigan game back in two thousand seven they uh, showed a live look into the Penn State stadium and like they were all watching it like freaking out watching App State beat Michigan and it was just kind of <laughs> funny like to see the kind of like roles reverse there it was, it was pretty yeah. funny yeah it's um it's it's just so funny I mean because that that's obviously the biggest win in their program history um, but it's just so funny you we were sitting next to people that. Didn't know much about App State. They, they, he said he liked Boone. Um, it was great. But he, he was in, yeah, like, they beat Michigan, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they did. Like, you're not the first person to mention it. So, it's yeah. just it's so funny. But um, good games. Good games all around. Oz, JB, did you – you promised me – or you didn't promise me. You previously said that on Saturday you were going to, like, pop up, pop open a cold one and watch football from uh, new, or 11, I guess, 11 to 11 or 11 to midnight with – ordering some wings is that what you did did you actually pop open a cold one at noon or whatever time and eat some wings like as promised i didn't pop it open around noon it was probably like (laughs) it's probably it was probably closer to three when i popped it and uh, i I didn't order wings i actually got some uh one and only barbecue nachos uh got that to go at halftime of the tennessee west virginia game brought it back and ate some of those and that's pretty much the only thing i ate all day then i just had like you know a few beers here and there and a Jack and Coke, but 
you know, nothing too crazy. I think you and I are kind of different too. Like you like to go out to bars and watch the games. Me and Holt would rather probably just stay in our homes, you know, glued to our couch on a comfortable yeah. couch. I, I need just, the I need that remote. In the remote, you know, to have the control change yeah. the channel at all times to be able to, uh, you know, have that relaxed atmosphere. Yeah. Well, I actually learned the hard way this time. I, I I usually do like going out to bars. This time specifically, I did not because they couldn't flip. They didn't have all the TVs on all different games like I would have hoping and expected. They had just two games on, and it was kind of hot and crowded. Um, which I wasn't too thrilled with. I would have preferred to stay home and go out like later towards the end of the night and watch like, games that weren't like SEC. Like I could have watched the Michigan Notre Dame game and the Alabama um, Louisville game out and about. That would have been better than the three thirty games, which there were so many good games on at that time. But I probably still go out again and just give me all lip service right now. I mean, it, it can be fun sometimes, but especially like this early in the season when like you know. It's just getting back and like all that stuff and like there's so many games that shouldn't be close games. Yeah, like it's it's really tough because you want to flip around. You find those games that are close that aren't supposed to be um, to flip to and catch the end of. To me, that's you know that's like right around like two o'clock, you know, like Central Time on Saturday, like when all those like eleven o'clock games are coming down to the wire. You know what I mean? That's always just like a really fun time, and I don't want to be like at a bar like hoping that the bartender. Yeah. You know, try, or like trying to wave them down, and like they're just being like, you know, obnoxious, and you know, if acting, if, acting like it's such a big deal that you're asking them to change the channel and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. If I was a Tennessee fan, I would have loved going to the Buckhead Saloon because I mean, I think it's a fun atmosphere to be around a bunch of fans um, for the same school at like a bar like that. I think I think that's pretty cool. But there, I mean, you are missing a lot of games. But I think if it's if it's like kind of like a solo, like tonight, for instance, like if Tennessee played and I was a Tennessee fan, or Mississippi State played and I was a Mississippi State fan tonight, and that's the only only game on, then I think that'd be kind of fun to go to a bar if the bar was surrounded with fans for your school. Yeah, it'd be better on a solo night when that's the only game going on. But if it's during the day with a bunch of other games going on, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. And Holt, you were working most of the weekend, so, but did you get a chance to eat any good catered food for free? Um, well, yeah. I mean, we, we had some good stuff. I don't, I don't know, like, if it was from, like, a restaurant. Yeah. But we had, like, some, uh, <clears throat> some like, beef ravioli that I got to say it was, like, really freaking good i usually like i mean ravioli is like decent you know what i mean like i'm not like i never like go out of my way to eat it but like this stuff was like really good they had, like this like it was like uh beef and then there was another one that was like butternut and there was another one that was cheese and like man they were all like really good actually um but just like i said it's not from like a restaurant i was gonna go to that uh maple street biscuit uh company again yeah but uh I was going to go today, but the weather was pretty bad, and I just didn't feel like dealing with it. So I just stayed at the hotel. No and, uh, uh, no $30 trips to Bojangles? No, not this time. I, You know, I thought about it, but it just seemed like a little bit too much. I was, You know, there was actually a movie theater next to it, so I was thinking maybe I could, like, you know, justify it a little bit more by, like, going to see a movie while it's over there, too. But yeah. I decided not to. I said I'll save my money and just watch something on Netflix instead. I, I just grilled burgers. Um on saturday they were they were pretty good i i i prefer to get the ground beef um that's not pre-made so you can kind of make your own burgers and make the patties and i made them a little bit big they were pretty good they made them probably a little too big and they uh, started falling apart on the grill but the meat itself was still still pretty good i put a little seasoning on it a little um 
marinade beforehand. It was good. I didn't use Dale's. You know, I think what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to, uh, after you make them, like after you form them, you're supposed to put them in like the fridge like overnight and that like firms them up so they don't fall apart like that. Yeah, I just, I I should have done it and thought, and I don't plan out too much, but I, I had, I probably refrigerated for like an hour um, with marinade on it. So I probably could have gone a little bit longer, like you're saying. But nevertheless, let's talk a little bit about the national games, the non-SEC games first for a few minutes, and then we'll get into the SEC games. So there, besides the SEC games, there were some big games. We'll talk a little bit about each one of them. We mentioned the App State-Penn State game was close, went to overtime, wasn't supposed to. Um, Texas um, is still not back, and they lost to Maryland after Maryland's going through the, all the offseason turmoil, and the, they have an interim coach right now for um, – Durkin, who's on administrative leave. Um, Michigan is still not back either. Um, people still want to talk about how much Harbaugh is hyped up but not producing results. And then uh, another one we want to mention is the Arizona game, uh, which doesn't have too much significance except for the fact that Kevin Sumlin lost to a team he shouldn't have lost to. I think it was BYU. And yes. We're wondering about that. So <laughs> let's let's first talk about this, uh, this Texas game. So I just think <laughs> – and it's funny because they're UT and uh, like Tennessee and Texas kind of remind me of a lot of each other. No offense, JB, just because um, if you were alive in the last 10 years uh, with Derek Dooley and Bush Jones, all Tennessee fans talked about where we're, we're back or next year, next year's, next year's our year. And it feels like Texas is the same way. Um, they're paying Tom Herman. They, they got Tom Herman after Tom Herman could have gone to LSU if he wanted to. And they're paying him all this money. He's recruiting really well. It's Texas. Texas football is always supposed to be really good. They have the most, probably the most resources in the country. And yet, for some reason, they have trouble beating Maryland for the second year in a row at Maryland. Okay, we'll give them that. It did go into rain delay, but it's at Maryland. And Maryland has all this offseason turmoil with um, the offensive lineman that died of uh, heat stroke in the summer and they had to fire the workout coach or their personal trainer, whatever you call the strength coach. And then strength DJ, coach. Dirk, DJ Durkin's on administrative leave. Um, so a lot of crazy stuff going on and Tom Herman still can't win. So I mean, I'm assuming he's going to move to the hot seat now. Um, I'll let whole uh, elaborate on this whole issue of Texas football, not being back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really weird to see. I mean, they're a team that a lot of people picked to win the big 12 this year. They're kind of like a sleeper team. Um, I think, talked about them as like maybe a little bit of a team to watch out for you know they recruit like so well even charlie strong recruited really well there tom herman is actually good and uh so talent's definitely not the issue um the quarterback play was all right early in the game but they turned the ball over on i think their last three drives and it was just you know just really tough to see i didn't think maryland really did anything like too special i think texas kind of just lost the game you know they had their chances to to have a big drive at the end and get the win, but they just they kept turning the ball over, and it's just crazy how like the whole Big Twelve is just and the whole country really it just it seems like they've got like some awesome quarterback from Texas, and then like the one school that can have anyone they want out of that state is the one that can't like ever get the right one. It seems like you know ever since Colt McCoy left, they just haven't been able to develop that position at all, and. uh you know, their defense actually played pretty well. I think Maryland's leading rusher only had like 30 yards. So, you know, the defense was really wasn't that bad. I think it's just the quarterback play needs to be way better. And I don't know if Tom Herman's going to be able to fix that or not this year. Yeah, Texas can still, I mean, do well in the Big 12 um, because Big 12 isn't super great this year. 
but they can still do well in Big 12 and come back. But, I mean, they, they won seven games last year, won that bowl game against Missouri. Um, looks pretty good during that. But, I mean, Texas football, they, they want to win 10, 11, 12 games in the regular season. That's kind of what they pay Tom Herman for and have all the resources for. Um, so, I mean, if they win eight or nine games this year, it'll be an improvement from last year. But I just don't know if they have the patience there in Texas to wait out slow improvement like that. Yeah. And you don't even know if that's going to come I think. Up. I think he'll get at least one more year, even if they don't turn it around this year. Like, I think usually by year three is when it's time to start, like, putting up, you know, either put up or shut up. So, I, th- I think yeah. he's, he'll probably get one more year. I don't think he's really too much on the hot seat. I think it's just kind of like more eyebrows raised and kind of like, you know, what the F is going on kind of situation in Texas right now, more so than him being, like, you know, firmly on the hot seat. Yeah, I'll um... – <laughs> Yeah, I think there's going to be starting to be slowly whispers. He's not going to be on the hot seat officially or anything like that, but I think there's going to be some whispers about like what what's going on in Texas. Um, from one big paid paying coach or high paying coach to the next coach that could very well be on the hot seat with, uh, and I'll let JB explain this one away with Michigan and Notre Dame. Michigan got their their quarterback Shea Patterson from Ole Miss, the number one quarterback in the country. Uh, whenever he was a high school senior two or three years ago. And um, he's, you know, pitched as the savior for the program. Michigan's always had good defense under Harbaugh. They just had had struggled with the quarterback play, but they finally have Shea Patterson, and they still lose to Notre Dame. What's going on with Harbaugh and Michigan, JB? You know, this is really a a tough one to crack because – Let me back this up. You did pick – Michigan to win the Big Ten and go to the playoff. Let me ask you this first. Do you stand by your pick still, or do you want to rethink it a little bit? It's only one week, and I will wait to make my determination after week two because I always believe in the uh, fact that uh, most teams, uh, you'll see imp- – you'll see you'll learn a lot about the teams from week one to week two. That's when they make the most improvements and adjustments. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see after week two. But as of now, I am still going to stand by it. Uh, there can always be improvement with Shea Patterson. Harbaugh is a quarterback guru. I really think he can, uh, you know, get, you know, get him more comfortable with his system. And I, I want to wait and see. But as for Harbaugh, like we saw him have a lot of success at Stanford. He had a lot of success with San Francisco. It doesn't make sense to me because the team two years ago really had that Ohio State game in the bag. They were eleven. They were ten and one going into that game. They uh, pretty much dominated the game. They were going to probably win go on to the Big Ten Championship and probably win that one. And they had Wilton Spade as their quarterback. Who's so, at UCLA now, who I think yes. I think he was a starter, but I don't know if he played the entire game. That yes. That, by the way, UCLA, <clears throat> Natty. Yeah, and then the first season, um, Harbaugh took over a team that didn't even make a bowl and took them to an 8-4 and four record. But, you know, they had like a, what, a 5-0, 6-0 start that year. Yeah. Blew, blew elite, blew, you know, blew that game against Michigan State. That kind of just derailed their season from then on out. But it seems like they've regressed every season, you know, from year one. Well, year two, they were better than year one. But from year two to year three, they regressed. And, you know, it remains to be seen how it's going to be this season. You know, I'm still a little optimistic that they can get things uh, righted. And I don't want to see how they look uh, this next week. Jim, who would you rather be your head coach, Jim Harbaugh or Tom Herman? Jim Harbaugh, no doubt. Oh, just one answer. I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh or who? Tom Herman. You're breaking up a little bit. Tom Herman. Yeah, I'd probably still have Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Um, I just think he's proven a little bit more. But at the same time, I definitely 
you know, I mean, Notre Dame's a good team, and it was on the road. So, I mean, I, I don't think it was too, too bad. But the offensive development, like, just hasn't been there. They need to get better on offense for sure. And I'm not the biggest Tom Herman fan either. I know you like him, Alex. But no, I'm no, not. actually, I don't. Me and Holt were actually talking about this. I think you were even talking about this because whenever he left Houston, he um, he had big wins against Louisville. And I forgot. And, and I think uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, they beat Oklahoma one year, yeah. Yeah, they beat Oklahoma and Louisville. But they had some, like, bad losses. They ended up losing – to Memphis, which wasn't, you know, that wasn't a bad yeah. loss at all. But they lost to SMU, I think. Yeah, yeah. They like they had some bad losses, and you know, you could pretty much tell like he had quit on the team like near the end of the season because he had already had his eyes set on the LSU or Texas jobs. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll get into um, SEC. We're going to talk about two more games real quick. Um, we'll talk about Arizona and <laughs> how Kevin Sumlin's now becoming more apparent that he's a, is a bad coach. I don't really want to touch more on that, that um, it's just crazy that he was once one of the greatest coaches ever in SEC <laughs> behind Saban with, you know, beating, beating uh, Alabama with Johnny Menzel. And he was like one of the great coaches of the SEC. Now he's, now he's just looking like he's not a great coach at all um, at Arizona. And then we'll talk about um, the App State Penn State game. Um, I, I'm a little partial to App State because, uh, like I said, my special lady friend in quotations is uh, App State grad, and she's a big fan. And I kind of like, I just kind of like the App State program. Uh, they're kind of like an underdog, and they, they play pretty pretty well and pretty uh, pretty tough against all these big teams. Uh, so I think this that was a good game. Once overtime wasn't expected to go into overtime. I'll get Holtz talked about that just for for a couple couple seconds here. Um, you picked, I think, Penn State to go to the national championship or win the national championship. Do you still feel comfortable with that pick after App State? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I will admit I was a little surprised by the score. Uh, I thought it may be a little tight, but I didn't think it was going to be like, a, you know, App State is ahead by a touchdown with like a minute and a half left kind of game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I still feel confident about Penn State going forward. I mean, it's just one game. You know, they may have been overlooking it just a little bit. But, uh, you know, I <laughs> – I hate that I can't think of the running back's name right now, but the guy replacing Saquon Barkley had a really big game. So, you know, I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue going forward. So uh, I really still really like their offense. Defensively, it looks like they got some, you know, problems to solve, but I think they're going to be all right. And uh, I still I still like them in the Big Ten. Did you get a chance to talk to our founding father, B-Rad, about Penn State and their struggles <laughs> with App State? No, the only thing that I've talked to Brad about is the fact that they're already hyping. The media's already hyping Notre Dame to the playoff after one win. <laughs> That's fine. Well, of yeah, course. It's kind of, uh, yeah, I, I know. It's just like you knew it was going to happen. Like anytime, <laughs> like basically people are talking about Notre Dame for the playoff until they get their second loss. Like until Notre Dame gets their second loss, the media's going to be talking about them in the playoff like nonstop. All right, now we can officially get into the SAC Week 1 scores. I'm going to kind of run through the scores first, and then we'll, we'll uh, stop and talk about some of these games. There's a lot of um, – there's a few big marquee games, and then there were a lot of, um, like, easy FCS wins. We'll go with the easy FCS wins first. Um, Mississippi State killed Stephen F. Austin 63-6, and these aren't in order. Uh, this is kind of how my memory goes. Georgia beat Austin P 45 to nothing. No surprise there. Um, which, by the way, Austin P is in Tennessee. And uh, fun fact, they do say "Go, Go P" is their chant. I think that's kind of fun. Let's, go, let's P. go P. Yeah, let's go P. Yeah. 
uh, Texas A&M beat Northwestern, not Northwestern in the Big Ten, but Northwestern State. I'm not sure what conference they are in 59 to seven. Um, that was the Thursday night official SEC kickoff game. Um, That's uh, Ed Orgeron's alma mater, isn't it? Is it really? Is it Louisiana? That makes sense. That yeah, that I think, I think it is. All right. Um, <laughs> and this shouldn't be an FCS team, but like it, it felt like it. Alabama beat Louisville 51 to 14. It's just it's crazy. And we'll we'll talk about this more. But I remember I remember if I remember one thing from our first podcast or the podcast previous podcast. I remember. Holt mentioning that he's never going to bet against Alabama because their lines seem crazy, but they always seem how to cover. And I think he was right on this one. So we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, go, we'll go into that in a little bit. Don't bet against Alabama. Either bet with them or don't bet them. Yeah. And then uh, South Carolina beat Coastal Carolina 49-15. to Jake Bentley had a pretty good game. Uh, Kentucky struggled with Central Michigan, but they ended up beating them 35-10. to Missouri and your boy Drew Locke Holt won't beat UT Martin 51 to 14. Arkansas beat Eastern Illinois with a good, good strong performance by quarterback Ty Story. Uh, Florida beat Charleston Southern 53 to six. Good performance by Felipe Franks. Okay, this is one we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more. But this this Vanderbilt Middle Tennessee game it wasn't close. It was 35 to seven, and this was supposed to be a lot closer than it was. So we'll talk a little bit more about that one, and then the bigger games. Ole Miss had a very, very strong showing offensively against Texas Tech, 47 to 27. Um, not a really big surprise that, that Texas Tech allowed 47 points, but Ole Miss did look really good, especially with their receivers. And um, I think even um, maybe it's a little bit more about Texas Tech, but their their defense showed up a little bit more than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, kind of, that game kind of went exactly how I predicted if you listened to the last podcast. Like, I think I predicted 48 38. But I really thought that Ole Miss, you know, pretty much would outscore Texas A&M, not Texas A&M, but Texas Tech, and you know, score at will. But I figured, I figured that their defense would make enough stops on Texas Tech, because I knew that Ole Miss's secondary is a little better than Tech's, and that came out to be true because they uh, made enough stops and Ole Miss kept scoring, and Texas Tech wasn't able to keep up. JB, you gotta wait your turn, man. I know. All right, Tennessee. You will pick on Tennessee now. Tennessee lost to West Virginia, forty to fourteen, therefore ruining the SEC's perfect uh, record this week. Or yeah, perfect non-conference record this week. Um, but no surprises. I think they were supposed to lose by somewhere around that much. And then um, the only other one is the biggest marquee game is Auburn Washington. Auburn showed strong and pretty much killed the Pac-12. Um, this week with beating Washington barely, but um, beat them twenty-one to sixteen. But Pac-12 is now uh, up on the uphill swing to get in the playoff um, with this big loss to Auburn. All right, so let's talk about some of these games. Um, I'm not sure which one we'll talk about. Let's talk about the first game, the very first game uh, since JB already started. But this Ole Miss Texas Tech. So we talked before about this this game, and we knew there's gonna be a lot of offense. Um, but what surprised me is their running back Scotty Phillips had like 200 yards, and then not A.J. Brown, their other receiver. Um, DeMarcus Lodge. DeMarcus, yeah, DeMarcus Lodge. Um, Number five. Oh, that's Holt. And I was actually watching this with my special lady friend, and I was pointing her out how we talked about A.J. Brown was the best uh, receiver in the country probably, and I was like, that's him right there. And she's like, oh, right there? I was like, and I had to look again. I was like, no, that's actually not him. I was like, who is this guy? This guy's actually pretty good too. Um, so let, yeah. let's, let's get a Holt to talk about – his uh, his favorite team, Ole Miss Rebels, <laughs> for a little bit. Um, Say howdy, howdy, Holt. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. I won't we should there. we should have a segment every week where like I have to say like one nice thing about Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what <laughs> all right. Well, you, you should definitely have something nice to say about Ole Miss after this win. So, 
Have yeah, definitely. Their receivers are very impressive. We tweeted about it. Um, they got the the belt with the nasty wideouts or whatever, and they really are nasty. I mean, AJ Brown is probably the best receiver in the country. Um, DK Metcalf is probably their number two guy, and he uh, had a big touchdown catch <laughs> on like the second or third play of the game, like a big long uh, touchdown. And uh, but Demarcus Lodge was the one who really was the consistent one throughout the game. It looked like they were looking for him on a lot of third downs. Um, it looked like Texas Tech was really putting an emphasis on A.J. Brown, and uh, Lodge was able to uh, make some really big plays um, for them. And, you know, it's just crazy that, that not only do they have, like, two of the best receivers in the country, but, like, you know, even, like, their middle slot guy, like, third guy is, like, probably going to play in the NFL as well. I mean, they're just absolutely loaded at receiver. And, you know, you try to double team one guy and like that's just going to open up a one on one matchup for one of their other guys. And, you know, you're not going to be able to cover them. So Hold definitely on. Uh, something to look at going forward. But I mean, honestly, I think JB wanted to talk about this a little bit more, too. But uh, the probably the, the thing that impressed me most or was probably the most exciting to see if you're an Ole Miss fan uh, was the running back had a bit, really big game as well. Let me let me ask you a couple of questions, and then I'll ask, I'll let JB have at it for a second. Um, whole, after this game, watch this game. You're, I think we're all pretty impressed with Ole Miss um, going to this game. Are you a little more nervous for the Egg Bowl now after watching this game? Yeah, I think so. Um, and what, where is it this year? It's in Oxford Ox- this year. Oxford. Uh, yeah. So the road teams won like three in a row. So I don't know <laughs> what that means anything or not, but. Yeah, I mean, definitely, especially since, you know, Mississippi State's weakness for since Jonathan Banks and Darius Slay graduated has been the secondary. That's always usually the weakest part of Mississippi State's team. So um, definitely a little concern there. Um, but at the same time, I, I still think Mississippi State's a better team, biasly, or, you know, to, to be biased. I don't know if biasly is a word. I may turn that up. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I am a little bit more nervous, especially I was really more impressed with uh, the defense uh, two, you know, I know Texas Tech's quarterback got hurt uh, early in the game, but they, uh, you know, Texas Tech is, even though they give up a lot of points, they usually can score a lot too. And Ole Miss held them to 27. So it's a pretty decent number. It looks like maybe Ole Miss's defense is taking a little bit of a step forward this year. Hold on, hold on, hold on before you start, because I hear you, I hear you catching your breath before you go at it. Um, <laughs> let me, let me ask you. Asked you this question, and uh, you were talking about Texas Tech holding. I, I'll, I will mention that I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is probably on his way out in Texas Tech. He, he is probably like everybody calls him, or at least I, I call him the Ryan Gosling of college football um, in the most heterosexual way. But I think he's out, out on his way out in Texas Tech because they can't play defense, they can't figure it out, um, and they it's just it's tough. But I was I was JB before you start talking about Ole Miss for for five minutes here. Um, we we talk about their wide receivers, but. What I was actually kind of impressed with is their offense in general. Um, we talked about the running backs too, but I want to talk about their quarterback, Jordan Tamu. We we talked about um, we we talked about Michigan earlier and Shea Patterson being like their savior. You're pretty pretty much behind Michigan, who you were to start the year. And Shea Patterson started his career at Ole Miss. He's the number one quarterback coming out of high school. Um, I'm just curious. Do you think Jordan Tamu is actually better than Shea Patterson? Because I've heard this been been talked about before. Um, so I'm curious what you what you have to say about that or what your take is. I don't know if I necessarily say he's better, but he's definitely have, has come in and proven that he can that he's good for the system. He just set, plays with a lot of poise, and especially when he's under pressure too. Like when he's under pressure, I don't really ever see him like 
get really uh, passive and, uh, you know, and making bad mistakes. Uh, we saw Shea Patterson last night. Anytime he had any kind of pressure applied to him, it definitely took him out of his comfort zone. And that's one thing I would give Tam- Tamu the uh, Tiamu the uh, advantage for. And also, also of course, Tiamu has uh, three awesome receivers in Metcalf, uh, Lodge, and the greatest in the country, A.J. Brown. But uh, having Scotty Phillips had that big game yesterday with, you know, 16 carries and 204 yards, that was really impressive. Granted, it wasn't against the best defensive line at all. Like, it was – the Texas Tech defensive line was undersized, you know, by Ole Miss's standards. So, I really want to see how this Ole Miss running game is in two weeks. That'll be their ultimate test because I, I doubt that we're going to see Scotty Phillips get 200 yards. Uh, maybe – definitely not even 100. <laughs> I'll, I'll be surprised if we can get over 50. And I'm, I'm... – uh, I'm looking at Scotty Phillips now because I'm trying to figure out, like, did we just miss something? But, I mean, he wasn't really talked about before by anybody. He's a three-star Juco recruit coming out from Mississippi. And there's nothing nothing too great about him as a prospect or as a recruit. So, this is just kind of a surprise that he was had this good game here. It was. And another thing I'll give Ole Miss credit for was their secondary. Their secondary uh, was uh, really uh, relentless yesterday. Uh, their defensive line definitely concerns me. I mean, I think we already we all knew that in the preseason, but the holes that the Texas Tech offensive line made for the uh, Texas Tech running back uh, Ward was definitely something to be concerned with, especially when you're going to be playing a balanced offense in Alabama in two weeks. Like that's really going to be a critical game for Ole Miss too at home because they'll be two and zero. Alabama will be two and zero. Ole Miss is going to be thinking upset on their minds, but if they're going to have a chance to pull off this upset. They're going to have to uh, shore up that. Shit, I just went blank. <laughs> they're going to have to shore up, uh, you know, they're, they're stopping the run because we know what Tua can do throwing the ball. And we and Ole Miss secondary is not bad, but it's not going to matter if Ole Miss can't stop the run. JB, catch another another deep breath because I'm going to keep you on the line here. I have some more questions here. Um, but we're going to switch over to your alma mater, Tennessee. Not your alma mater, excuse me. You wish, maybe. Maybe you're all, you wish, I don't know. But your favorite school, um, Tennessee against West Virginia. So they lost 40-14. to I don't know what the line was. I don't think it was that big of a line. It was 10, I think. Yeah, so I, I think – yeah. And we, we talked about this. I think Holt said this is going to be a little bit closer than expected. I think I think you would have still picked uh West Virginia to cover in this game. I didn't think it was gonna be this I didn't think it was gonna be close either and I think JB didn't think it was gonna be close either or as well. So um the game was probably probably went more as expected than uh I guess the nation thought because the line was only ten points. But I mean there has to be some positives in this game. I mean Will Greer I mean I'm not trying to not trying to sound sarcastic, but Will Greer did throw for four hundred yards, I think like five touchdowns. But I, I mean, I didn't get to watch all of it because I was focused on the App State game and the Auburn Washington game was on, and I left the Tennessee bar. But um, I'm gonna just start calling him Guantanamo because that's what I like to call him, Guantanamo. There, and Tennessee had um, he had some some drives where he looked like a quarterback that was ready to play now, I and mean, he looks a lot better than he did last year. He's got a strong arm. He has some good good throws, and I, I think that's something that you can be excited for as a Tennessee fan, getting some momentum going into the season. It is, and uh, I will mention Will Greer. Uh, he was my Heisman pick going into this season, and he definitely got his uh, Heisman campaign off on the right foot yesterday with his performance. But Garantano, he was impressive. Uh, I mean, I know they only scored 14 points, but compared to what he, where he was last year, he definitely was a suitable quarterback. 
And as and he definitely will improve as the season goes on. Like there were some things I saw in yesterday's game that were concerning, and there's some things that I liked. What what I did like was uh, Garantano's performance. Also, like the emergence of Tim Jordan, who came in for Ty Chandler and had 20 carries and 118 yards. Uh, they got some good receivers in Callaway and Josh Palmer and Juwan Jennings. So I, I do think their offense might be better than what I anticipated. But I was not impressed at all with Tennessee's secondary. Granted, they did start three true freshmen in yesterday's game at a sophomore. So, <clears throat> you know, a true sophomore. So they had a lot of youth in the secondary. Still not an excuse, though, even though they were playing probably arguably the greatest passing offense in the country. But I, I do think they'll improve as the season goes on. This is definitely not a good matchup for Tennessee whatsoever in the first game of the season. But as I as I've said before, we'll find out a little bit more about Tennessee in a few weeks when they play Florida. They got two tune-up games to prepare for it, and we'll we'll find out how how the Tennessee team bounces back from this. Uh, there's some, like I said, there's some good things and some bad things, but there's definitely room for improvement. And not all hope is lost, but it's definitely yesterday's game definitely showed that there is a rebuild in process. And uh, West Virginia's defense isn't great either, but um, I still think there's like you're saying there's a lot of positives just by looking at it. They look like they were. Uh, more – they looked more like a complete team than they – I mean, besides the defense, I guess. But they looked like they were – they were fighting a little bit harder than they were last year. I mean, this is the same team that struggled with UMass last year. So, I, I think there's definitely some positives for this game, even though the score wouldn't really indicate that. Going from one Heisman candidate in Will Greer to the next Heisman candidate in Drew Lockhold. Drew, your boy Drew Lock had five – touchdowns against the strong defense of UT Martin. Um, I mean, it's kind of expected for Missouri. We're not going to talk too much about this, but um, and let me do a quick check. Holt, can you, can you hear me okay? Holt? No. Oh, man. Holt? JB, we might have to do this one without Holt for a second. Uh, I guess we will. Okay, so uh, you want us to move on to me? No, well, I'll, I'll ask you a question, and you might have to text Holt to see see if he can hear us. Um, while I'm talking here. So um, I'll, I'll just talk real quick. So you talk about Will Greer being a Heisman candidate and Holt always <laughs> is like a, a tribute to Holt now. <laughs> um, Holt, Holt always mentioned Drew Locke as being a Heisman candidate. He had five touchdowns against UC Martin. That was kind of expected. But, I mean, uh, would that really do anything, push the needle nationally because it was UT Martin? Or is this, yeah, that's kind of what I think, that it won't really push the needle. What do you think about that? Like, do you think this will do anything for him nationally, Drew Locke? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm, I like Drew Locke. I mean, I know Holt, you know, is a big fan of Locke, and I, I like him too. But uh, who knows? Drew Locke may not be the best quarterback in the conference. After seeing how Tua played yesterday, Tua Tagovailoa might be the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, just That was an impressive performance against Louisville. Yeah, let's let's talk about that real quick for a second. So, um, Alabama, um, Alabama beat Louisville pretty easily. And uh, I don't know how you how what you thought, but I think most, JB, JB, Holt, 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 JB, can you say Holt same real quick? I I can hear Holt. I heard him there. Uh, I don't think he's there completely, but we'll we'll keep going here and hope for the best. Um, Alabama beat Louisville pretty easily. I think most people thought, despite what Saban said. Um, despite what Saban said, that um, most people thought Tua was going to start. He ended up starting, and he did not disappoint. Jalen Hurts got to play a little bit, and he didn't play too bad either. But it's looking more and more clear that Tua is the better quarterback 
for um, for Alabama. JB? Yeah, I agree. Tua definitely proved it in this game that he is Alabama's quarterback for the foreseeable future. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, he brings that dimension with running the, you know, with his legs. But we saw last night, Tua can definitely run. Uh, we had that design run last night where he uh, did his Jalen Hurts impression for that, that quarterback draw for the touchdown, which was impressive. And but Tua's arm is just that's that's what separates Tua from Jalen Hurts. Hello, is anybody out there? Alex, I'm back. I can hear you. All right, all right. So uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties there. I guess uh, JB's going to take over as ho- as hosting too. <laughs> no, I'm not going to take over. Seems to be a trend. <laughs> yeah, maybe as soon as JB starts getting anxious about uh. But the podcast, he just starts like <laughs> decided to take it over. I take over so we can just move this shit along. <laughs> Jamie's got Jamie's got shit to do apparently. All right, so yeah, I gotta get, I gotta get on my Ozark episodes. I haven't even started it. So as soon as we're done with this podcast, I gotta start Ozark. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, well, we do apologize for the technical difficulties. Um, our uh, cheap asses will not pay for podcasting software. So we're and we also are dumb too, so we can't figure it out. So we're using. Anchor, which is a free app, and some, from time to time it doesn't work out for us. Um, so Holt decided to end the episode at 40 minutes just, just previously. So I apologize that these episodes are going to be kind of breaking up into two pieces, but we'll, we'll just continue from where we left off, which was Alabama and their quarterback situation. So Davey previously mentioned how um, – or we, we previously mentioned, me and JB, we're talking about how great Tua was and – um, it really wasn't a question, like, who was the starting quarterback, I don't think. People made it out to be more of a question just because people respected Jalen Hurst going 26-2. and two. But Tua is the better quarterback now. It's now becoming more apparent that he is the better quarterback. Holt, do you have anything to comment besides don't bet against Alabama on the Alabama-Louisville game about the quarterback situation or anything? Uh, no, I mean, it, it just looks like it's going to be another year of Alabama being Alabama. It doesn't look like, you know, the dynasty is coming – to an end or slowing down or anything like that. It looks like they're going to keep it rolling. And, you know, the the interesting thing to see going forward, it will be, you know, yeah, Tua can put up the big plays and make the crazy plays and stuff like that. But uh, avoiding turnovers and stuff like that and avoiding big sacks, um, if he can do those two things while, you know, keep doing what he's been doing down the field and making big plays, then this Alabama team may be the best one yet. Yeah, their um their defense just never stops being great. It's just it's it's crazy to me how how great they are in general. Um, one thing I that is making some headlines from the Alabama game is not the score, but how Saban went off on Maria Taylor at halftime about asking about us, uh, asking about the quarterback situation. Um, it was just a typical Saban rant, but it was kind of interesting because um, this was a woman, and like I guess people probably paying more in- more more attention to it because it was a woman and not a man. So like, it looks like a guy being mean to a girl or something like, I don't know, but he were making a big deal about this. Um, I think he's since apologized, but it was kind of interesting to see. And um, I see, I saw somebody tweet that Saban is the goat, but he is also an asshole, which could be very true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part for the course for him. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like when JB texted me about it, you know, like, Oh, did you see that Nick Saban interview? I thought he was going to say something like unusual happened, but when he told me what happened, I was kind of like, you know, yeah, I mean, that sounds like something Saban would do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it just seemed, you know, just kind of weird. It, it seemed way worse than I think he meant it to be. But 
at the same time, I mean, that's just how he is. You know he's not going to talk about stuff like that. He's on the full, you know, I can't let Jalen Hurts transfer in the middle of the season. Um, you know, that's basically his goal right now. So he's going to say whatever he can say to keep Jalen Hurts hmm. from transferring so he doesn't, he doesn't like one injury away from having to play, you know, Mac Jones or whatever his name is. Yeah, Mac Jones. And another thing is that Jalen Hurts has only 15 credits to go before he graduates. So Jalen Hurts isn't going anywhere. He is not going to leave this team midseason. He's going to be finishing out the season, and he'll, uh, you know, graduate this December. Now, the biggest question is going to be, does Jalen Hurts play more than four games? Because if he does, he's only going to have one year of eligibility left. If he doesn't, he's going to have two years of eligibility. Interesting, interesting how it all play out and how Saban will continue yelling at the media. I'm pretty sure that will not be the last time this year that Saban has a rant. Every year he has some kind of rant. It's, it's kind of he does. funny to watch, but it's also just, man, like, man, he doesn't, like, look – like, he's a great coach. And I'm sure he's, like, has has fun in life, but he just looks like he's never happy. Yeah, I always feel sorry. I always feel sorry for that Coke bottle at all those press conferences. Like, I always feel like it's taking all the heat. Yeah, yeah, and he's just—I mean, I just feel like everything he does to the media is like a message to his team. You know what I mean? I feel like everything that he does is about like sending a message to the team more so than like actually, you know, being mad at the reporter. Yeah, he's—I mean, he's always calculating. It's kind of. Um... Kind of interesting. It's like I think he's always just trying to figure out like what is best for the team. Like no, it's just putting on a show for somebody for the team. So it's very similar to what you're saying. Um, go to some other games. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about it, but I do want to mention that um, besides Georgia, Georgia beating also beat 45 to nothing. One interesting thing to watch for was Justin Fields getting the game late and going seven for eight with 63 yards, one touchdown pass. Jake Fromm had a good game as well. It was 12 for 16, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, it was also P, so it's not like um, – I don't I don't know for sure if Holt could have three touchdowns, but I think he might have one touchdown and an interception or something like that. But I think a lot of people could score an awesome P is what I'm saying. But uh, it's just interesting to me how this whole Justin Fields storyline is going to keep popping up when he's really good. I mean – Jake Fromm did well, so probably not going to be a quarterback situation in Georgia, but Justin Fields did do well. And your boy DeAndre Swift only had 43 yards, J.B., so you kind of need to watch out for him because he's supposed to be the breakout player of the year in the SEC for you. It's just the first game. Let's see how he does against South Carolina. He's going to a lot more touches. I can't believe that Austin P. defense held him under 100 yards, man. You need to, you need to get, him, get him a little pep game talk. Not worried. Not worried. Um, the biggest game was obviously the Washington Auburn game. Um, Auburn won twenty one to sixteen. Um, good showing for SEC. I mean, really, Washington's a good team. They they didn't look bad. The game itself, I mean, it was close, but to me, it wasn't really. It wasn't super fun to watch. There's a lot of defense. I, I do like defense, but it was kind of an ugly game. And I think I remember Holt saying that before um, that the game was going to be ugly. So I'll let Holt continue on this this uh, this game. Specifically, um, it played out to how you how you thought it was going to. What what other comments would you like to make about this game? Um, which game is that? <laughs> <laughs> You're pulling a JV moment. Yeah, Holtz. yeah. Really. Auburn, Auburn, Washington. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For, I was really. I could tell you about to ask me like the second half of the question, and I kept hoping you were going to say something that may indicate what game it was. <laughs> but you just you just kept referring to it as this game, and like you know, 
that's my, uh, like general stuff that could apply to any game. So it was that's like... my uh, biggest freak out in school. I mean, not them in school anymore, but like you're just hoping that like you can pick up all some contacts clues, which is funny <laughs> because JB texted you contacts clues and you're like, "Fuck you, JB." <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never paid attention to school but yeah going back to arbor washington it was a really ugly game um one thing that we mentioned earlier uh, on a, f- a few podcasts ago but didn't talk about on the preview that uh was kind of important was uh auburn's offensive line uh looked like they were struggling a little bit um gus malzahn's play calling got a little i guess bland like you know once auburn kind of got ahead uh Washington had both teams had a lot of penalties, but it seemed like Washington's penalties were just like always at the worst times. Um, they had a couple. They I think they had three trips inside the red zone where they got like a combined three points. So yes, you know that's that's just never ideal. Um, you know Auburn's then, yeah. Auburn's defensive line was dominant. They're one of the best defensive lines in the country. Um, just absolutely loaded, and um, Jarrett Stidham looked really good. I just thought, you know, the offensive line could have looked a little bit better. The play calling could have been a little bit better. But other than that, I mean, they got a win over, you know, a big-time team. And uh, it's going to be tough for Washington to bounce back from this. They're probably going to have to win the rest of their games if they want to make it back to the playoff. Yes. Uh, And you did say Jared Stenham had a good game. He was my SEC player of the year. Um, He had 273 yards, uh, I think 72 percent completion ratio or completion rate so that's uh pretty it good. was pretty yeah good. but i will i will add on to that uh the biggest stat from this game was washington uh made it to the red zone six times and only scored two touchdowns out of those six attempts so that was only 33 percent percentage that was the difference in this game uh because yeah. in my opinion uh auburn didn't win it Washington lost it because it felt like most of this game that Washington was out playing Auburn, especially throughout the second half. But Auburn just found a way to win. And, you know, how we always say championship teams find ways to win. And this could be one of those games for Auburn, even early in the season. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about later. But Auburn defense, no joke. But, I mean, there's so many good defenses at the SEC. It's, it's crazy. Um, going Skipping around a little bit, going to the first game, Texas A&M beat Northwestern State 59-7. Um, Kellen Mond looked pretty good. I mean, again, not a great team so they were playing. So, I mean, a lot of people look good. But I was impressed with Trey Kellen Williams. Uh, I think it's JB's player of the week. Um, t- 240 yards on 20 carries. So, he just, he just went crazy. I, I love Trey Kellen Williams. Um, so, it's, it's a great game for him and A&M. Um, next, next week, we'll get into the preview podcast next uh, in a few days. But they do play Clemson. They host Clemson next Saturday, which I think game day has already said it's going to be there. Um, so I'm pretty excited yep. for that game, even though uh, Clemson is probably the better team. But it'll be interesting to see how they play against a good team. Um, skipping over, so let's go some more games. Um, we'll we'll talk real quick about Florida beating the shit out of College of Charleston. Felipe Franks is their quarterback at Florida. He had 219 yards, five touchdowns. Um, but again, it's Charleston Southern, so nothing, nothing big takeaway from there. Um, but it was, I guess, it's good to get a get a win. And not not pay a team to come see you or come play you at your home and lose to them like um, Kansas did. Just did by the way, they lost to Nickel State. They paid them like four hundred fifty thousand dollars to lose them. Uh, other games: Arkansas beat Eastern Illinois. And I'll let JB talk about this one because I know you have a little um, man crush on the new new quarterback at Arkansas, Ty Story. He came in and killed in the second half. I think he had two hundred two hundred sixty yards with three touchdowns. 
Um, I know you probably didn't watch too much of it, JB, because it was a blowout. But what can you tell me about their new quarterback? Is it is it a secure position now for Arkansas? Yeah, I caught some glimpses of this game. Like I would, I would flip over to it uh, whenever I had opportunities when uh, either you know the Tennessee West Virginia or uh, Auburn Washington games were in timeouts, which wasn't often, but it was occasionally I was able to. The Ty story when he came in in the second quarter uh, when they were only up ten nothing, he really lit a spark in this Arkansas offense and just went off. Uh, he had a pretty much a flawless game. Uh, he, he went twelve seventeen with two hundred sixty one yards and three touchdowns, and I think Chad Morris has found his guy. And I, I think Ty Story is going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season and for Chad Morris's beginning of this era at Arkansas. Move on to the next game. Kentucky beat Central Michigan 35 to 20. Um, Central Michigan's not a bad team. I, I don't think it was, it wasn't last year, but it was like two years ago. They, they, what, what was the, what was the game against Oklahoma State? They, they lost, they beat Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State said they should have won because like some time rule or something like that, right? So um, they should have um, they should have won. That was a while ago. But Central Michigan is not a bad program is what I'm trying to say. But Kentucky still should have beat Central Michigan a little bit more easy, easily. Should have beat them a little bit more easier than they did. 35-20 is not really a convincing one to me. Um, Benny Snell had 125 yards, two touchdowns. Um, can you tell me how, why Kentucky seems to struggle with uh, inferior teams? Do you know why? Tell me. You know, I, I really don't. I, you know, it may be a little bit from the other, you know, side as well. I think, uh, you know, when some of these teams play up, you know, play like a power five team, um, you know, obviously they really get up for it. And I think maybe they have a little bit more confidence when they're playing teams that maybe aren't like really good power five teams. Like maybe they think like, you know, like it's just Kentucky. Like it's not like we're playing Alabama or somebody like, you know, we can get like a big win here and, you know, it'll look really good and all that stuff will be on ESPN. Um, I just feel like all those things kind of play in. I don't know uh, if it's something that Kentucky's doing wrong or or Mark Stoops just maybe has trouble getting guys motivated for these games. But it just – it always seems like Kentucky struggles against uh, some of the lower-tier teams that they play. I know they really struggled with Eastern Kentucky a couple of years ago. Um, it, it just, it's, I mean, I know there's more than that, but it just seems like every time they play one of these games, they, they struggle – and you look up in like the second half and they're losing or something like that. Yeah, Kentucky's just it's just a it's it's interesting to watch Kentucky play football in the SEC. They they play Florida next week, I think. I think they're like a twenty point underdog or something like that. And they just that's that's the big question for Mark Stoops is can, when when will you beat Florida? Everybody's frustrated. They come close and they just find different ways to lose that game. Um, but it's just they, they need to be Florida, and he needs to – they need to win a little bit more games. I don't think he's necessarily in the hot seat, but um, just they need to win more games, Kentucky's all I say. And he, he has won more games each year he's been there, but it's just um, – it's tough. It's tough being Kentucky and SEC for football, that's all I'll say. But my, my point is if Louisville can be good and nationally, then Kentucky should be able to be good also in football. Um, moving on to the next game. Let's see which ones we have left. We have South Carolina beating Coastal Carolina 49-15. I'm sure Coastal Carolina probably um, hypes that game up a lot because it's an in-state game against your, your big brother, um, if you will. Um, but it wasn't close at all, 49-15. Jake Bentley had 250 yards, four touchdowns. Um, Jake Bentley kind of had a sophomore slump last year, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he can compete this year and move going forward. Uh, I hope he does better. Um, I think I think he's a good quarterback, but there's a lot of good quarterbacks, that, so he probably gets a little overlooked. 
Um, one game, um, we'll, we'll talk about the Vanderbilt game. That's the game I kind of want to talk about a little bit more. But I'll let, I'll let Holt um, talk a little bit about the Mississippi State game, 63-6. to six. Your boy Thompson in Fitzgerald's absence went kind of crazy. I just don't know. I, I didn't watch the game because obviously it's a blowout. But I just don't understand, like, the stat line. He went 13 for 31, so very low completion rate, but had 364 yards for five touchdowns. How is that even possible? I think he had 100 yards rushing, too. He had 100 yards rushing with two touchdowns. So he had a great game running and passing for touchdowns, but but the completion rate is a little bit low. So I just don't understand how he scored that many points or, like, what happened, how he got that many yards. Yeah, well, obviously they were all on big plays. Uh, They – there was a lot of coverage busts by Stephen F. Austin. Guys were wide open downfield. Um, he had like a stretch in the third quarter where he was 0 for 8 throwing the ball. Um, but other than that, played pretty well. I um, mean, you know, obviously, Stephen F. Austin is not the toughest test in the world. Um, I was really impressed uh, with the front seven for Mississippi State. They played uh, about as well as you possibly could. They had uh, 17 tackles for a loss uh, in one game, which I think. I saw a stat that they only had 36 all of last year and they had 17 in one game. So that's definitely what you want to see. You know, just like I'm saying, I know it's not like a good team or anything, but you know, you can, you went out there and you dominated. They scored on the first play of the game, just a little swing pass to the running back goes 53 yards for a touchdown, you know, and it was just big plays all day on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, got the easy win. Everybody's healthy. Nick Fitzgerald's going to be back, going to be back next week for their trip to Kansas State. Um, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much, you know, it's pretty much the stat line and the score pretty much tells the story. I mean, it was just it was, they jumped on them early and stayed on them, and that was it. Yeah, um, I, I am excited to see that game next week um, at Kansas State, especially with Fitzgerald coming back. I think that they should be favored to win. But it'll be interesting to see if Fitzgerald is a little bit rusty because this is his first game of the year and first game after a comeback from injury. So it'll be interesting to see. And a first game in a new offense, too. So New offense. Yeah, so could you, could you have any takeaways with the new offense? I mean, it was Stephen F. Austin, but could you see anything that, like, jumped out at you? Yeah, they were definitely a lot more aggressive with their passing game than they were under Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's uh, a lot more of a run first um, and – the passing game is a little bit more shorter to intermediate, a lot of bubble screens and stuff like that. But with uh, Joe Moorhead, you're going to see a lot more, uh, you know, posts and flower outs and stuff like that. Like they're really trying to force the issue uh, down the field, score as quick as they can, instead of trying to just like get first downs and like, you know, chew the clock and dominate the time possession. He's a little bit more concerned about like scoring as quickly as possible and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see the differences. I don't think, he, you know, showed everything the first week. I don't think the players are maybe, like, ready to do everything that he's going to want to do. But, you know, I think going forward, you're definitely going to see a lot bigger differences between him and Demo and going forward. Moving on, moving on to the Vanderbilt-Middle-Tennessee game. 35-7 to Vanderbilt. This, this line was a lot closer than what actually happened. Vanderbilt's defense came to play. And this is actually a very good sign for Vanderbilt and Derek Mason because he was – directly on the hot seat, very, very close, um, very close to being fired. Not like tomorrow, but like he's just very much on the hot seat and um, going to have a tough year is what we thought. Um, it still could, um, but Milton State is not a bad program historically. They had like seven or eight wins, I think, five. Not a bad, not a bad team. 
and they um they kind of shut him down. So I was I was impressed with this game. I didn't get to watch it because it was on during a lot of other games. Uh, but um, what you have anything to say about that, JB? It was impressive. Uh, but uh, Vanderbilt uh, definitely needed to put out a, put a showing on in this game. I wouldn't say that Derek Mason was on a really hot seat, but. As me and Holt predicted, uh, we do think he will be on the hot seat by the time the season's over, and that could still be possible. Uh, we Holt and I both picked Vanderbilt to win this game anyway. Uh, I don't know if we expected Vanderbilt to win in this kind of fashion, but it's impressive, and I'm hoping that uh, they can build on for this and uh, have it carry forth to maybe compete for a bowl this season. Uh, this is a very good opener. It's a good sign. Moving on to the... Sunday game where we were able to focus the, our entire energy on one game, which was nice. Um, we had LSU beating Miami 33-17. And this game, it looks to me like LSU was going to win the national championship in the first half. They were very impressive. We tweeted out a lot of different things about LSU being impressive, partly because we were impressed, but partly because we don't talk to each other when we tweet about LSU. So it was just a string of like five LSU tweets in a row and like within 30 minutes of each other. But um, I was very impressed with LSU's defense the first half. And we're also talking about, we're not sure if this is more of LSU being great or Miami being bad. Uh, We thought Miami could have been a little bit overhyped going this season, but not this bad. Um, LSU kind of gave up the game a little bit in the fourth quarter, played a little too conservative um, in what I call full pussy mode. Um, they just stopped trying to do anything to score. They just were trying to shoot clock. It, um, but before that, I mean, I was just very impressed with their defense and their ability just to run the ball. I think uh, Joe Burrow looks pretty good too. But I think their ability to run the ball without Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, I'll let, I'll let uh, Holt talk about this one for a little bit. Yeah, you know, you talked about uh, them replacing Darius Geis, and Nick Brissett had a huge game, 22 carries, 125 yards. Um, you know, really looked to, uh, you know, had that big 50-yard run um, early in the game to kind of, you know, get LSU ahead. So, uh, looks like they may have found their next, you know, great running back. Uh, seems like they always have one. The receivers looked really good as well. Uh, just a lot of highly recruited guys out there who can go up and get the ball and, you know, I had some really nice catches today to help out Joe Burrow who, you know, I definitely, I thought looked, you know, fine. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't really too impressed with him, but just the fact that he wasn't there for spring practice and, you know, he's just getting in and kind of getting settled. Uh, you know, it looks like the team is really bought into him and really believes in him, which is really big for a team. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see going forward. You know, just like I said, I wasn't too impressed with the way he played. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was fine, like nothing too much, you know, but he didn't have to be. He he protected the ball. Um, you know, like we were talking about beforehand, Miami's defense really isn't the best about, like, you know, just being like a great shutdown defense. They're really uh, relying on turnovers. So uh, they did a really good job of protecting the ball and, not letting uh, the Hurricanes get out that turnover chain. So uh, that was definitely really impressive. But, you know, the the, the main thing about the LSU team is the defense. I mean, their defense was dominant uh, from start to finish. Um, Malik Rozier had, like, no chance all game. Uh, he was just getting hit, it seemed like, every play. 
And uh, this the LSU defense looks legit. I mean, they look like one of the top units in the country. Dave Aranda is definitely earning his paycheck. Um, you know, they look to be really, really set on that side of the ball. And if they can get the offense rolling to go with it, then, you know, they definitely could be right up there with some of the best teams in the country. JB, uh, before I ask you questions, can you give me a Go Tigers, the voice of Coach O? Go Tigers. <laughs> I saw somebody tweet about this. Like, I somebody said, like, I really don't know what Coach O says. I just know at the end of it, he always says Go Tigers. And that's pretty true. <laughs> it's pretty funny to listen to him talk because you just don't know what he's saying half the time, or I don't. Um, we talked about their defense being great. A couple of things I want to mention is uh, Dave Rand is a good defensive coordinator and probably one of the best in the country. Um, first of all, do you think, like, I think he's ready for to be a head coach. I think he'll get offers in this year, whether he wants to take it or not. Uh, that's another story. Um, first of all, do you think Dave Aranda will be leaving for another for a head coaching job at the end of this year? And second question, JB, if you can remember to answer both, um, do you think LSU's – after watching tonight, do you think LSU's defense is one of the best in the SEC? Or before we said the other teams were better, but I think LSU's defense might be number two or three in the SEC now. Uh, as far as Randa, I do believe he will finally uh, jump ship at the end of the season. I think he's going to go somewhere as a head coach. Uh, I remember he was being looked at potentially for the Mississippi State job. Maybe Hulk can comment on that. But uh, I do think he will get a head coaching job at the end of the season. Uh, he's proven himself to be an elite defensive coordinator. But a part of me wonders if he even wants to be head coach. I mean, he might be one of those guys that wants to be a coordinator for his entire life, you know, like a – Bud Foster, John Chavis mold. But if he, this will be a good time for him to jump ship. Uh, he's got a really good talent at defense this year, and he's got talent at all levels, uh, especially with, uh, you know, his linebackers too. And he's got a pretty good front seven. And uh, as – I forgot the second part of the question. I just defense, went blank. Is their defense the best in the SEC? No, it's not the best defense in SEC. I still think that uh, Auburn probably has the best defense in the conference – I still like them the most. Um, Alabama's defense, their front seven is really good. Uh, their secondary is young. Uh, I know they they look pretty good at times against Louisville. I want to see Alabama secondary against Ole Miss before I make judgment on the Alabama defense as a whole. Uh, LSU's defense was impressive tonight. I think they're definitely uh, top three, top four in this conference. Uh, I, I might put them ahead of Georgia for right now. And um, I, I'd still probably put them behind Alabama. So I'd probably put them third in the conference behind Auburn and Alabama. Final question goes to Hull before we close out the show. Um, LSU looks pretty impressive tonight, but do you think, put this into perspective, do you think they are a actual threat to Auburn and Alabama and Mississippi State in the West? Or do you think that one game earlier we said that Coach Ezra will get fired at the end of this year and they're going to have a bad year? But do you think they're now an actual threat to Auburn and Alabama? Um, you know, it's it's tough. Uh, I would say uh, I, I wanted to say maybe, but I don't feel like that's an acceptable answer. So I'll just say no. Um, I just think that uh, just with Ed Orgeron, I just don't know if I really trust him. Like they had to make – they had to call three timeouts like in the first quarter like on just – you know, they have, like, substitution penalties and just a lot of dumb stuff. And I just don't know if I really trust him, like, in a close game. Um, but, you know, that being said, their defense can shut down just about anybody. So, 
if, if their defense played like they played against Miami, then they can compete with anyone. But until I see a little bit more out of Joe Burrow in the passing game, then I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure I'd put them up there with Alabama and Auburn quite yet. Yeah, I will say uh, LSU's defense, the way it played against Miami, if it plays like that the rest of the season, they'll be in every game that they play. They'll be able to compete. My biggest concern is I know Burrow looked good at times, but he only threw for 140 yards and didn't even complete half of his passes. So, I mean, it still kind of reminded me of the same old LSU offenses. I mean, they had some some big breaks tonight in order to get those points, and and they did have some good runs. But they, like you said earlier, they still don't have Fournette and Geist anymore. Brissett had a good night. But that offense for LSU is going to have to improve if they want to take that next step and compete with Alabama and Auburn for the West. Yeah, yeah and if I could just say, like, one thing real quick. If you take away that 50-yard touchdown run, they had 40 carries for 106 yards. So that's, like, just a little over, like, two yards a carry, like, outside of that one big run. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm definitely not completely sold on this offense. Uh, I know Miami has a pretty good defense, but to me, LSU kind of just – made the most out of the fact that they, you know, or LSU just didn't turn the ball over. And that's what Miami needs for you to, to beat them. So, I'm, so I have some questions about this offense, just like I said, but, um, you know, it definitely was better than I expected. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think Joe Burrow looks – personally, I think he looks better than his stats, stats were. So I, I don't think he's, you know, the greatest quarterback ever, but I think he is a step up from where they were last that's only one game, so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But I think I think LSU, this team, LSU is might be better than last year's LSU team. I think that's that's good for Coach O, and we'll see where that competes, where that puts him. That but this officially concludes our Week One recap podcast. Thank you for listening to us in two separate podcasts for Week One. Sorry for the difficulties again, but um, thanks for making it this far with us. Um, again, we'll we'll do a, a preview show on Wednesday for week two. So be sure to listen to us and subscribe on iTunes and everywhere else at SCC Slow Smokes. Until then, we will see you later.